And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 359. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And continuing on in our 1973 run of The Mighty Thor, don't have a lot here to talk about at the top of the show. That's because I'm recording this show in advance, and I've just finished recording the last one. So anyway, um, that's a little peek behind the curtain but that's kind of the thing that we have to do sometimes when we have holidays coming up and, you know, trying to get ahead. And yeah, anyway, so uh, because we don't have a lot to talk about, we're just going to go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor, number 209. 20 cents is the cover price. March 1973 is the cover date. Cover art is by Gil Kane and Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor being held up by the cape by a large, blue-skinned, white-haired, long... Yeah, it's a kind of a dorky-looking costume with a bunch of weird star pattern thing on his chest. There's a bunch of uh, soldiers in the background who are dressed in British World War One uniforms from the looks of it. And you can tell it's in England because, A, it looks like they're standing in the middle of Stonehenge. And they're saying, Kate back, mates. If that blinking joint's killed Thor, there's nothing on earth that can stop him. I mean, it's a nice cover. I, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, Gil Kane and, and Sinnott, so that's a good pair. The blue guy is much larger than Thor. Not big enough to maybe be called a giant, but but indeed much larger. And in the interim, Mjolnir seems to have grown quite a bit too because Mjolnir is way out of scale to Thor. Uh, Mjolnir's kind of sitting next to one of the Stonehenge rocks over on the right, and it looks like the the hammer has grown to be bigger than Thor's head. So, I mean, it's just huge. Uh, Anyway, uh, so we have a caption on the front, The Day of the Deadly Druid. And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John Buscema was the artist. Vinnie Collada was the inker. John Costanza was the letterer. Petra Goldberg is the colorist. And Roy Thomas is the editor. Title of the story is Warriors in the Night. And the splash page shows Thor, and he is flying over London. You can tell it's London because the only thing recognizable in the picture is Big Ben. And it says London, city by the Thames, once the seat of empire, now the seat of government alone. And like all such seats, it's a city besieged, though never in such a manner or by warriors so strange. And Thor is flying over Big Ben, 
And on the next page, he's flying over Tower Bridge, obviously photo-referenced. And the caption says, By commercial jet, one may cross the Atlantic in a little more than seven hours. By supersonic transport, in a little less than five. But if one were Thor, exiled god of thunder, it would take almost no time at all. In other words, three panels, because that's how long it has took him to get to London. The city is silent now, save for the distant rumble of buses, the far-off whisper of moving cars. Silent also, the god called Thor stands listening, wondering if he'll end his quest here, in this ancient city, so like the Manhattan he knows, and so unlike as well. Actually, I would say that London is nothing like Manhattan. Now, that's being said without any significant time being spent in Manhattan, but uh, <laughs> I've spent a significant amount of time in London. But anyway, um, Thor lands, and he's just kind of looking around, as the, as the captions say, and then he uh, bangs his hammer on the ground and turns into Don Blake. They show him that we have a whole page here of Thor whamming his hammer on the ground to change back, and it says, the hammer strikes, which is obviously a reference to uh, Gene Hendricks. And um, it says, down, down the vibrations flow through the layers of hardened concrete, through the length of gutted, rusted pipe, down through the compacted soil itself, building, dispersing, as all vibrations do, spreading outward, ever outward, until, unexpectedly, something intercepts them. And... The they show the shockwave or whatever it is going down. You see layers of pipe and there's uh, you know, a bunch of rock and yeah, there's this sort of sarcophagus made of magenta and purple concrete. I don't know what it is, and it, it's human shaped. So there's a, obviously somebody inside it. Probably that blue skin guy on the cover is my guess. It shows some uh, like Kirby glyphs on it, and it says, "Strange sigils glow as the vibration jars this man-like form." If it, I, I'm guessing, and this is a no prize explanation, because obviously, just the vibrations of Thor banging his hammer on the ground should have had no effect on this this thing. It must be the magic of the hammer. It doesn't actually say that though. Um, you would think that you know during the blitz, maybe the bombs falling around would have created vibrations probably much larger than this. Anyway, um, so it says, uh, strange sigils glow as the vibration jars this man-like form. Softly, an answering vibration begins within the alien shell, and gradually the sleeping object wakes. Yet on the surface above, the events below are unknown. As midst of a seething burst of light, an uncanny transformation is completed, and it is Dr. Blake, and he is wearing a very mismatched blue jacket, as we've often seen him in blue jackets before, but he's wearing purple pants. He must get them at the same store as Bruce Banner. It says, Thor, the god of thunder, is no more. Instead, it's Dr. Donald Blake who limps across the darkened street toward the lights and sounds of an English tavern, because tavern is what they call bars there. No, it actually isn't. They call them pubs. Anyway, it's Dr. Blake who catches the staring eyes, the muttered whispers, the hushed speculations. And we have a number of people who are about as stereotypically British dressed as possible, looking like they're from a 1930s Ealing film with the pork pie hats and bowlers. And uh, yeah, Don Blake goes in and uh, people are whispering, Catch him, will ya? Bloody Americans act like they own the world. Some bloody cheek they have. Here now, don't get on him so. Can't you see he's lame? Bloody cheek, I say. And he goes up to the bar, and there's a uh, barmaid uh, at the bar. 
What'll it be, governor? A pint or half? Do you have sandwiches, says Blake? Perhaps a ham and cheese and a, a beer, a, a pint. Right to you, mate. And he gets his beer and his uh, sandwich and he goes over to a table and he's thinking to himself, I've got to get a grip on myself. Feel so weak I can hardly stand. How many days since I've eaten the last? Too many. Thor may not need much food, but Don Blake's quite another matter. If I'm going to search for Sif, I've got to do it on a full stomach, even if it means wasting time in A. And he says A because the vizier has appeared at the table in front of him, Odin's vizier, and he says, Good eve to thee, my lord. Vizier, what in the name of heaven are you doing here on earth? If anyone sees you, they shall not, my lord. For to all other eyes I seem but a harmless mortal, visible in my true nature to thee alone. I see, says Blake. Dost thou, young lord, or hast thou already forgotten Odin's wrath that made him exile thee on this planet? Why else be thee here, rather than at the gates of Asgard, begging forgiveness? And uh, Blake is recounting the events of the last uh, couple of issues. It started several days ago during Thor's battle with his half-brother Loki, a battle he seemed to be losing, until the Norn Queen Carnilla appeared on a nearby mountain peak and spoke to Thor's beloved Sif. Carnilla pledged her aid to Thor in return for an allegiance of Sif's undying allegiance to Carnilla's search for Balder. Carnilla gave that aid, and of using the power of the storm she brewed, the Thunder God won over Loki. But when he learned that Sif had left, it seemed as though the victory had been won in vain, and all of life's purpose had fled. And we see the account of this is going on, and we see Brunhild telling Thor, and uh, yeah, basically the events of what had happened. A tragic tale, my lord, says Vizier, and now thou dost search for thy lady fair? For the past ten days, says Blake. And thou hast found? Nothing, my friend, nothing. And as the caption says here, about to reply, the vizier pauses. And during that pause, all hell breaks loose. And there's a big earthquake going on. And uh, yeah, so Don Blake's uh, food and, and beer is like spilled. And he's going, earthquake? Nay, my lord, there's something far more, I fear. I dare not remain. If Odin takes notice, my plight would be grave. And he goes vanishing off. And we see the uh, pub people, and they're kind of all kind of stumbling around because of the earthquake that's going on. It says Donald Blake is heartily aware of the old man's leaving as he stumbles forward, staring with the others through the tavern door. Sights above! I don't believe it! Good Lord in heaven! The entire block's exploding! It's a nightmare, I tell you! And there's rumbling, rumbling. A freaking bloody nightmare. And we get a, a full page here of that uh, purpley magenta sarcophagus coming up from the ground and bursting open. And we see the guy we saw on the cover, the blue skinned guy. Is it just me or has Thor fought a lot of blue skinned guys recently? I mean, there was Ego Prime and there's, there's like three of them. Just in the last couple of issues. Anyway, so this guy is the guy we saw on the cover. And he's got a very weird... He's got sort of a your basic superhero spandex unitard. And he's got a sort of Kirby-inspired metal belt, like gold belt, around his waist. And on his chest is a weird logo. And it's uh, like a bunch of circles and like a keyhole pattern. And in the middle, a bunch of, of stars. 
like a circle, a little cluster of stars. Anyway, it, it, we'll find out why it looks like that in, in later in the issue. But anyway, he kind of bursts up. The man's next frightened cry is lost, consumed in the staggering roar of energy spent and power released. Nor would he, we have wanted his outcry heard, for it is not common for a strong man to pray. And there's a big barroom as this bursts up on the ground. And everybody is gawking at the, uh, you know, the, the sarcophagus bursting out of the ground. And, of course, Don Blake has to go and uh, change into Thor. Anyway, um, so um, he goes ducking off and the people are talking. Did you see that, mate? Out of the blooming ground. Like sort, sort of drinking geyser. Must be a movie promo. Not bleeding, likely. And Blake is thinking, I'm afraid I agree. If that's a bit of public relations work, it's something Madison Avenue should grab a patent on. But since it probably isn't, I think it's a matter more reasonably suited to. And he bangs his cane on the ground and changes into Thor. And um, uh, that did not go unnoticed by the people in the pub. They go, Blessed St. Thomas, the brew must be affecting me mind. What happened to that Yankee gent? A new in Monty's name is that. And, of course, they're looking at Thor, and Thor says, "'Twas Odin who did name me Thor, and though he hath taken all else that he may never steal, stand aside." And he uh, goes outside, and the uh, blue guy is standing outside, says, "'Stunned, the men fall back, and without a further word, the thunder god steps without, where? "'Demon, come thee down. I would speak to thee,' and he's talking to the blue guy, of course. "'But I do not wish to speak with thee, manling.' What words may the likes of thee have for the demon druid? You know he's evil because he has demon in his name. And he shoots a blue ray with a whit. And he hits Thor in the chest with a whunt. And knocks him back against the car with a thrash. And uh, knocks him down. Knocks him out. And he's laying there and his helmet has kind of fallen off. How much more peaceful thou dost look in calm repose. Yea, for thee sleep does much. Yet for such as I, sleep has been but a prison, a cell from which I have at last found sweet release. Now I must resume my life at the point when t'was most brutally interrupted, doing what needs be done for my mission upon this planet Earth to be complete, so that I may rest as he doth rest once more. And he goes peacefully away. And Thor wakes up in the middle of the street, and he is surrounded by people. And we have a, a bunch of British bobbies, and then some weird, uh, looks like a detective, I'm going to say. just uh, He's got a pipe, and he's got a blue suit, almost as mismatched as Don Blake's, because he's, he's got a blue suit, which is a darker blue than, than Don Blake's, but he's also wearing this bright orange vest. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, and the bobbies are saying, Careful, Lieutenant. Seems to be coming round. I can quite handle myself, Sergeant. Thank you. Which is more than I can say for this chap. Feeling better, are you, sir? And Thor's coming too, and he's rubbing his head, and he says, By Asgard's towers, my brain doth whirl. Well, it might, my friend. He knocked you quite a smasher, didn't he? How long have I slept whilst demons stalked free? Not more than fifteen minutes. But wait a minute. You're not planning to go after him, are you? If so, there's something you should see before you rush off. And he guides Thor away, and they go into a um, a mobile... It looks like a, a truck with a 
bunch of Kirby tech inside it. And anyway, uh, it's like a police van. It's a guy playing with a like, Kirby gadget, and he says, Lieutenant Pritchard, we seem to have located him, sir. He's heading southwest, passing through Lambeth. Good show, lad, says the detective, because that's how British people actually talk. He's one of our best, you know. Thank you, sir. I try to keep in touch with our Lambeth mobile transmitter. Ah, there's the blighter, and they catch him on uh, video. I think you'll find this informative, my friend, says the lieutenant. And it shows uh, the druid, he, he's walking through a metal fence, and he's got, it's, it's being knocked down by some sort of force field, obviously. And he says, as you see, this druid fellow possesses some form of force field. We noticed it soon after he uh, left you. Rather a nasty rotter, what? Quite nasty, Smythe. Oh, yeah, of course his name's Smythe, because in the most stereotypical of British names. As I'm sure our guest is beginning to realise. Verily, the matter doth appear more grim than I'd thought. Looks like the Prime Minister's called out the infantry, Lieutenant. Those lads will give him a run. And he's being attacked by a bunch of uh, infantry, and they're shooting cannons at him, but it's having no effect. The, uh, yeah, the bullets are coming nowhere near him and just destroying what is around him, and there's a lot of, of rocks flying around. What else could we expect, Smythe? The man's beyond our weapons. What concerns me now is his purpose. What does he want? What can we hope for? What can he hope to... Eh? Hey? Thou dost seem stunned, mortal. What didst thou see? I can't be sure. For an instant I thought, no, it couldn't be. But I say, old boy, surely you're not thinking of going off after that fellow. The way he cut through His Majesty's infantry. Yea, I saw it well. Yet though thy soldiers did battle bravely and true, not one among them may strike like Thor. Thor, the god of thunder. And Thor whips his hammer around, he takes off, and he is heading where he doesn't know where it is, because I'm sure Thor doesn't automatically know where everything in England is, but anyway. And the lieutenant uh, watches him leave, and as he's doing, there's a um, uh, nerdy-looking scientist-type running up to him, and uh, the guy's thinking, um, the, the lieutenant is thinking, colorful chap, that. Uh, pardon me, are you in charge here? Quite. Look here, then. One of your lads said I need permission to take this carved rock. I'm a fellow of the Royal Astronomical Society, I'll have you know. Rock? Found it in the rubble. Quite rare, quite rare. Unless I'm greatly mistaken, it's over 3,000 years old. You know, a rock that's over 3,000 years old? That has got to be the biggest mystery. In the <laughs> you know, most rocks are over 3,000 years old. Anyway, um... In the rubble, you say, odd. And we see Thor, and he's landing, um, says here, 25 kilometers southwest of Charing Cross, London. There lies the district of Esher on the Portsmouth Road. Actually, they meant to say Portsmouth, it says Portmouth, and I think that's a mistake. For five centuries, the town has been buried in anonymity, but now the world is about to make a rude entry in the form of the demon druid, and the druid is still there, and he's just walking through, and he's smashing everything as he goes through. And the mystic hammer of mighty Thor, and Thor whips his hammer, hits the druid in the back with a spunt, and bounces off, and Thor is yelling out, Ho, demon! We twain do have a battle incomplete between us, and I do call thee to it! Now! 
and the druid turns around and he shoots another blue ray at uh, at Thor and says, without a word, the self-styled druid seems to reach out. Power drains from the evening sky and like a pillar of emerald flame, the power strikes. It is clearly not emerald. It's, it's clearly blue. <laughs> As it was blue, but what we saw before. Anyway, emerald flame. And it hits Thor, and it smashes the building he's standing on, and uh, there's a bunch of you know, debris flying through the air. And uh, it doesn't really bother Thor very much. And he starts whipping his hammer around. He says, almost did that blow stun me. And were I a fool, well, it might have. But while the son of Odin does indeed learn from every conflict, and what did fell him once, ne'er shall fell him again. And um, the druid says, Odin. The name doth summon distant memories, yet they be memories without meaning. For Odin doth live no more! And he whaps Thor in the face, and he goes, zump! And he goes, hitting back. It says, before the mysterious meaning of the druid's words can be discerned, the thunder god is removed from active participation. And yeah, so this guy's beaten up on Thor pretty good, considering that he's, uh, yeah... Uh, uh, and I will address some of the art problems at the end of the issue, but this panel is where the demon druid is punching Thor is particularly egregious. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we shift scenes and it says that we are in the research room of a well-known London library. Um, yeah, I don't know how well-known any libraries are other than the British library, so it's got to be there. And somebody's looking through the books... And uh, it's the detective, Lieutenant, uh, whatever his name was. And he's, like, he's looking through the books and he's like, oh, here we are. Perhaps, I see he's, saying, he's thinking this, not saying it out loud. Perhaps now I'll find the answers I seek, assuming I know from the proper questions. Hmm, built in 1500 BC. Yes, that would fit the age of our professor's ruddy rocks. No, well, kind of, yeah. Anyway, that and this uncanny design both on his chest and with those stones. It has to be. It just has to be. And we see in the book the, an image of Stonehenge uh, from above, and it appears that the pattern of stars and circles on the demon druid's chest is actually a diagram of Stonehenge. Anyway, an hour passes, then two. And when finally the stunned god of thunder regains painful consciousness... He regains also his rage. And yeah, so Thor's not real happy. And so he goes back to uh, continuing to track the demon druid. It says, miles distant on the edge of the Salisbury Plain in the county of Wiltshire, a godlike figure strides through a forest of rotting trees, trees which bend and whirl away against the unrestrained might of an invisible force field. Um, so I would say normally that, that it, the demon druid is a tree murderer, except it says here that they're already uh, rotting. So, okay, I guess they're dead already. Anyway, ultimately attracting the searching angered Thor. Uh, so he's made really good progress. I mean, I mean, he's in an area, Salisbury Plain, that's, that's a couple hours from London, and the guy's on foot. So he's running or walking really fast. Anyway, uh, it's, we have the sort of the Hercules Unbound problem here, don't we? Where, you know, it only takes a couple of minutes to get, you know, to southwest England. Anyway, uh, Thor uh, is uh, coming in. The, there's wood flying everywhere as, as the demon druid passes. And um, Thor says, Druid, it is time for our final meeting. A meeting which may only end in death, says the druid. 
Too long have I slept, too long I have been kept for my life's purpose to be defeated now by thee. So let thee attack, blonde hair, and make thy move an eloquent one. What will be the last thou shalt ere know? And he waves his arm and he hurls all this dead wood at, uh, at Thor. But Thor is whirling his hammer around and deflecting all of it. And Thor is like, I say thee nay. While my hand this hammer doth hold, I will remain master of the world's wind. And he's bursting all the wood aside. And of course, because he's doing that, all these little splinters and branches are going up against these World War I British soldiers that happen to be, uh, you know, the, the infantry that's been apparently following uh, the demon druid uh, very, very quickly through the countryside. And the soldiers are getting pelted by all this wood. And they say, Back, lads, the blight has ratted again. Lord, and this time they've gone full cracker. Nothing can stop them. Nothing. And if the soldiers who followed the two combatants to this plane can see the eyes of the demon druid, they know the tragic truth that the end... The only possible end is near, so very near. And the demon druid blasts one of his blue rays at Thor, and he says, Fall, imposter, in the name of Woden, why dost thou not fall? And this time it is emerald. Uh, there's a kind of an emerald glow around the edge of the blue blast. So I guess that's just something we've never really seen before. But you do definitely see a green blast blasting Thor back into some rocks that go crack and are, of course, destroyed. He says, no time does the son of Odin have to question the druid's words. He has only a moment to act, to reach, to grasp, and so to halt his backward fight. And in the next instant, reverse the evening's events. And he, he shoots a ray out of a Mjolnir and hits the demon druid right in the face. I mean, guy. And he goes, zzz, and there's a big white glow, and he hits the druid in the face. And the druid is now glowing, and his head is apparently on fire. And he is surrounded by Busema's version of Kirby Crackle. And it says here, since arriving in this foreign land, the god of thunder has sought but one thing to reverse whatever act of his awoke the rampaging demon. No, that's not his, uh, that's not his goal, because he doesn't know that that's what happened. Anyway, and this now he does, to the sound of fury, and yea, to the sound of fire. And he's blasting him in the face, uh, and the guy eventually goes, Long blood hair, thou shalt pay for thine arrogance. I promise thee, and he's glowing, thou shalt pay most dear. And he's um, being surrounded by like uh, little blue and green and red polka dots, which I guess is a another kind of weird idea of Kirby Crack. Anyway, uh, and he's still being hit in the face by this beam, and he, he uh, shoots out an emerald ray with a zwap and knocks Thor back. And they're both down. They both uh, fall down, and they're both on the ground. The infantry is like, they're down, lads, both of them. And they come around them, and they've got nets and things, and they uh, look like they're going to cover him up. Or... Anyway, uh, the soldiers are surrounding the uh, blue guy. Careful now. This bloke's a more dangerous. Gentle with that netting. And all of a sudden, the car arrives, and it is the detective from London who's now very much out of his jurisdiction. He says, one moment, Sergeant. You'll be making a bit of a mistake if you try to hold that, uh, that, our man. 
I have full authority in this matter. The name's Pritchard, of Scotland Yard. I dare say, sir, we can handle him. I've no doubt of it, Sergeant. The point is, I don't think you'll have to. He's awake again, Sergeant. And the blue guy's recovering. Cover him, Hawkins. Hold your fire. Can't you see he's not a threat? Blimey, are you mad after what he's done? And the uh, detective is uh, approaching Thor, and Thor is coming to his uh, consciousness now as well. Silence, mortal. His words do intrigue me, says Thor. What dost thou mean, not a threat? Think, Asgardian. Did he ever attack you? Weren't his actions purely defensive? Unthinkingly so. Don't you see? He only wanted to get here. To Stonehenge. Stonehenge, whose ruins are as ancient as the rock which encased him. Stonehenge, from which the ancient Druids came. Druids, which must have used his star-spanning race as a model for their pagan religion, just as they used his launching pad as a heathen temple. And so we see as this is going on, the demon druid, he gets up, and he, they're at Stonehenge. Stonehenge looking nothing like Stonehenge, but okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's like a fake Stonehenge. Anyway, he goes in the middle of Stonehenge, and he starts to glow, and uh, there's a, like a green and white and blue glow around him, and he takes off like a rocket into the air, and the detective says, uh, I never knew that the creatures they worshipped were merely an advanced race of men, and that one of them race had been left behind, perhaps as a scout, perhaps purely by accident, a god who slept over 3,000 years, and now at last is going home. And uh, we have the uh, Thor thinking to himself, says, and silent, the god of thunder looks to the sky and does not answer, for his thoughts are but of Sif and of the quest that will come tomorrow. Next issue, Ulick, and that is the mighty Thor, number 209, and we'll be talking all about this issue right after this message. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto. So both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Uh, Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're back with a few comments about the issue as usual. And so this is obviously a fill-in story. Now, other than the fact that we get a recap of the last few issues... This is really a one-and-done, standalone, not connected to anything else, does not carry the plot forward at all. It's kind of lame, and so it really does kind of have all the hallmarks of a 70s fill-in story. And that does appear to be what it is. The plot, of course, we have a misunderstood alien bursting up out of the ground, causing damage. Um, I would think that just the fact that this demon druid has been going around destroying everything is enough reason why Thor would want to attack him. 
But at the end, we kind of get this, well, he hasn't really attacked you, has he? Well, no, but he's been destroying trees and cars and buildings. And all that. I mean, I mean, it's like the, the Hulk. I mean, you would think that if he was just trying to get the Salisbury Plain, he would just walk along the highway, which probably goes straight there, and not really have to worry about, you know, crushing through buildings in London or, yeah. Anyway, so kind of nonsensical here you know even even a demon druid. now if you yeah if you don't want to be misunderstood don't call yourself the demon druid yeah <laughs> it's like it's like well i'm the demon druid therefore yeah you know he's evil because his name is demon anyway uh so not well thought out story very basic very bland yeah yeah, uh, kind of mid-70s Marvel at its lamest. Um, artwork also not great. Uh, you know, it's Buscema. Like I said, I love Buscema's art normally. Coletta is not a good match. And once again, we have almost no backgrounds. The only time we have backgrounds is where when the caption describes the background. And... So, you know, all during the fight, it's just basically the characters and some sort of blank or very minimal background. Um, yeah, art-wise, it's nothing special either. Overall, I think it's a dumb concept. I think that the whole idea of the Demon Druid, why is he called the Demon Druid? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of mystery here. Did this ever? Did this character ever appear again? I certainly hope not. Um, and the whole idea of Stonehenge on his uh, chest is really stupid as well because Stonehenge didn't start out at all at the same time. It wasn't built all at once. I mean, there were thousands of years between the different stages of Stonehenge's development. There were some circles that were older, some circles that were much younger, things that were added later, things that went away, you know. So it, it doesn't really make sense that Stonehenge as it exists today would be reflected on this guy's superhero outfit from 3,000 years ago. So anyway, yeah. So overall, kind of a dumb issue and not one of the better ones that we've covered on this series. <laughs> All right. So with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. Really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.